You're listening to Melissa Unscripted. I'm your co-host, Dave Wilson, from Tiger Moth Creative. We created this podcast to bring listeners helpful perspectives on all kinds of real estate experiences, from the enlightening to the humorous. Along the way, we'll branch out on related topics, and we will definitely chase a random squirrel or two. With me always is my friend and co-host, Melissa Greer, a nationally ranked real estate agent. Well, hello, Melissa. (laughs) Hello, Dave. I'm going to turn my phone over so I can focus. I think I took my medicine too early today because it's already wearing off a little bit. So, uh-oh. It's going to be one of the uh, warning. This is a uh, warning to all the listeners. It might go <laughs> off the rails today. Wow. No, it's weird. I woke up. Usually if I wake up early, I take it immediately so it can kick in. And it's like, well, we don't know what time it is because in radio, video, whatever we do, I can't even, I forget. It's called a podcast. Do you know how many people say, I saw your video? And I think, you know what, I guess they think it is a video, but they're just listening to it, not looking at us. Well, they're they're used to seeing your videos online and hearing you and they just mix it all together. That's why we're closed today. (laughs) I felt like if there is a chance someone could see it. I was wondering why. I need to start wearing clothes. (laughs) Oh, that's fun, though. Well, the, don't tell anybody that I'm not wearing clothes. Well, I think that most people know <laughs> that you try not to wear clothes, but that's fine. My kids know that, well, and they yeah. they are angry at me. You know, I'm. You know, we need to start thinking about. I think we should do another day of fun, but go to some new restaurants downtown. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. There's a lot of new restaurants. Because we were talking about doing that at a podcast, and maybe we'll kind of turn that into a podcast and have that be our finale. And just have a, it's not really reviews, it's more of a look at the excitement of all the new um, restaurants. Yeah. But I would imagine with the new um, Tanger series opening soon. Correct. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of rumors around different restaurants opening too. So we can, maybe we could talk about, we can go to the new restaurants mm-hmm. and then talk about the upcoming restaurants too. I know. I've heard some rumors myself. Did it's you? Kind of interesting. I have too. I, I'm excited about a few of them if yeah. they come to fruition. So today, what's our topic, Dave? Well, I think we're talking about, and this is all depending on your medicine. Um, always, always. <laughs> we're talking about historical neighborhoods, and one why, of my favorite topics. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess every established city has historical neighborhoods, right? Well, I think for the most part, as if it's been established prior to 1990, <laughs> it would uh, maybe 1960, 50. But yes, I think the key is what so many people don't know is the different kinds of historical neighborhoods and how that matters. So. We have so many historic neighborhoods in Greensboro, but some are national historic neighborhoods and some are not, and that's a big difference. Because do you do you want to know the difference? I, I really do. I was gonna I was gonna ask you that, but you what? were rolling right into I, it, so I, I was just gonna let you go. I was just, I, we have to have a little conversation. So feel free to jump in. <laughs> no, um. So so for instance, Fisher Park or Dunleith mm-hmm. or even Old Greensboro downtown, College Hill. Those are national historic neighborhoods. So if you do anything in those neighborhoods to your home, it has to be the same kind of materials that were available when the house was built. So there are pros and cons to that. The pluses are really the integrity of the historical aspect of any home is, is protected, but it's way more expensive to renovate a home in a neighborhood like that. There's There are tax benefits, which make it a little bit easier, but... 
if you live in one and you have to replace a window, in my neighborhood, which is also historic, Sunset Hills, it really, I could put, if I had to replace a window, as you can see, I can put a replacement window or something that is a vinyl window because it just was easier, it was a little bit less expensive, and actually this part I wasn't replacing, I was adding to them, yeah. but... But the thing is, is that way it's just an easier window. It gives you the same look. And, you know, some people totally, you know, do not like that look. And a lot of those people are in national historic neighborhoods. So that's the difference. But the one thing I notice sometimes is when you have the flexibility to do things a little bit different, the houses tend to, people keep their houses up because they can afford to. Sometimes if you have to do it to historic standards, it's it's quite expensive. So... Um, that's a big difference, but I love all sorts of historic neighborhoods. I, I love any you know neighborhood that has a history that tells a story. One of my favorite neighborhoods in Greensburg, Kirkwood, is actually over off of Lawndale, and people don't normally first think, oh, that's a historic neighborhood, but the truth about Kirkwood is those houses were built after World War II to provide immediate housing because there was such a need for it with the soldiers coming home. So they built those houses really quickly there, and and that has created a neighborhood where the names. But when they when they built houses quickly back then, they were still like stick built, sturdy. You know, last you a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Like the thing about Kirkwood is those houses are a lot of people have added on to them because Mm -hmm. they they built them and they were so tiny. Yeah, and there's a couple that are those. Have you ever seen those metal houses that everything's metal in them? Yeah, and there's there are a couple of those, but. It was when, you know, the the economy wasn't good after the war. So they had to, even then, it was good quality, but not as good as some of the the older historic neighborhoods that were done pre-war. But the whole thing about Kirkwood is the street names are Independence, Colonial, um, Liberty. So they very patriotic names. And every July 4th, they have this awesome parade, and it's just known for that. So what I love so much about some historic neighborhoods that aren't as well known as being quote historic is that there's so much history in Kirkwood but yet when you're thinking of historic neighborhoods in Greensboro a lot of times you don't think of that but it truly is a historic neighborhood because it has it really does tell a story about why they developed it and all that and it carries on to this day with July 4th being just a major event there. When you're talking about the historic neighborhoods um, and, you know, the ones that you have to, well, any historic neighborhood, you know, the materials were different, things were built different. You were saying that, you know, the, the, the what did you say, the national? Well, the ones that are the, regulated or registered with the national, it, yeah. it's, as a national. So what's the appeal of that? I mean, the, the you have to use the same kind of material if it's there, same quality. You know, what's the aesthetic appeal? What's the... The structure, well, the I think, I think building the, appeal. The the appeal to those houses and those neighborhoods to me are, I mean, it, it's very aligned with what Preservation Greensboro does. They preserve what what was done in the past to to make it last forever. Like for instance, the houses I've listed in Fisher Park, one of them I love so much because they actually painted the shutters the color that copper oxidizes, and it's a true national historic color and it's kind of a teal green that ends up matching their downspouts and gutters so i mean the thing is is if you're into that the other thing about national historic homes is they have names so a lot of times when we market a home that's a national on the national historic register 
it would be like the Douglas Ravenel House or, you know, Edgewood or different ones. They're actually named either after the original owners, a few of the owners that owned it to begin with. Sometimes if it was a country estate that was named for the original owner, it, it carries that. So when you can market a home that has a name, that it, more than the address even, that's kind of cool. And people who are really into historic properties love that. I love historic par- properties. I do too. I love old homes. I like yeah. the look, especially yeah. the was the arts and crafts kind of style. Oh uh, yeah, that well, one of the coolest historic homes I've ever sold was a neo craftsman where it's they kind of mm-hmm. and it was one of the first. It's very unusual, but the same family owned it that had built it in 1908. It was so cool because they had wallpaper in it that was original in the dining room and they came in it was silk it was in panels square panels and it was just such an interesting thing I mean I I love that sort of thing now my neighborhood is historic but you can do anything you want here and the way you can tell any historic neighborhood in Greensboro is there's a little black sign on top of the street sign and that's a way when you're driving around our city that you can tell whether it's even national or just designated as a local historic neighborhood okay yeah old urban parks are really cool one because if you go into Irving Park you see the entry off of North Elm which is our main street and they built that neighborhood as a really upscale like they didn't you know you didn't go there if you didn't live there so it's hard to even you can see how it it um curves around but the entry to it had the the streetcar and bus stop where the benches face you can't see the people sitting in it it's it's just the stone, so they're hidden, and that's a real. And there's just this small little sign. There's no big thing that says this is Irving Park. When I was first starting real estate, my mother always said, "You can't sell, as you know, you can't sell someone a home. A home is a service, but you better learn how to sell Greensboro." So she made us go to the historic museum and made us learn everything we could about it. And I'm so glad now because I'm re- I'm really into it. Then I was just going like she was making us go to school. (laughs) And she took all the fun out of it. She kind of took the fun out of it. But it it was true. Like when she was running the company I worked for, which was hers, she would have the head of the historic museum come talk to us at a sales meeting or we'd go to the museum. And and actually Berkshire Hathaway did that too. It's been really fun to do some. It's sometimes fun as we learned at Skywild to do some field trips. Yes. We got to do that new zip line that goes over the lake. I'm game. Okay. I'll do a zip line while they're new. Once they get old, well, that I one over the lake. What, I, what, I did one in Stowe, Vermont, and it was in the mountains. It was on a, um, it was at the, the big, um, ski resort there. And the zip line was you start at the top of the mountain, and it went so long, you reached like eighty some miles an hour, and you would watch your friends just disappear. Because it would just keep going and going and going and going. See, I would love it. And it was insane. You had to use your hands to kind of keep yourself from spinning around, almost like you're flying. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fantastic. But last year, somebody died on it because it didn't replace a safety. Oh, yeah. It's like a $10. I'm like, that's, that's what scares me. Like, once they get old, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. When they're new, I'm game. Well, but I know, I know that it being in Greensboro and being and run by the city and new, <laughs> that they're going to keep up with it. Yeah, well, it's brand new. Yeah, but it's the not. Other, the other thing that always reminds me, and tell Kelly I said, hey, by the way. Okay. But when Kelly helped me through <laughs> that, that obstacle course when uh-huh. I was about to quit, 
I really, that's when I developed my love of ziplines. Okay. <laughs> because that was the only thing I thought, wow, you don't have to do, you know, I don't have to, I, I mean, I've been working out to try and build up my upper body strength because I thought, what? <laughs> I mean, I need to, I said, you know what, there's, I, I'm, I'm going to go back, but I got to be able to do it a little bit better. But that's when I realized I just kept looking for the zipline. <laughs> yeah. Because like that's the end and I don't have to it. do anything. <laughs> All you do is just slide. <laughs> that's what I like about that course, but. Well, going back to the, uh, that was one tangent, everybody. That wasn't too bad either. No, that wasn't. That, was just, that took a while for us to tangent. I mean, and you even introduced a historic zipline that you really like <laughs> because it's a little bit older, <laughs> and I get that. <laughs> Way to bring it into topic. <laughs> um, you know, I live in an old home. It's not a historic home. It was on the outskirts of Greensboro when it was built, old farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I love about my old house is it has so many unique characters that are unique to it. Some of them good, some of them bad. How about in the historic homes? Is there is there a lot of that uniqueness to each home? I mean, I think so. I think that the most interest and sometimes the most interesting parts of a historic home, you know, it, it, keep in mind that you can do anything you want inside. So a lot of times when you go inside a historic home, if someone hasn't maintained it, it could look a little bit different than than you would expect a historic home. But what's so I mean, you can see when you go in the basements or you go in the attics and you see how these houses were built, you don't see that. I mean, it's unbelievable how how well they're built, the material costs now. I mean, my best story with historic home is um, I, I had one that I sold and it was in foreclosure and the carpet was just horrendous. It looked like a crime scene had been on this carpet. And I'm like, oh gosh, I can't, with with the Historic home, you, you still, I still wanted it to look good, even though it was in a foreclosure, because I just thought we have to present it in the best possible way. We pulled this carpet up that looked horrible. We're perfect. And I got um, Benjamin from Preservation Greensboro was with me, and he said, oh, he said, you couldn't replace these floors for what this house would sell for. Yeah. It's amazing. But even that whatever happened on that carpet, it, now if these floors, if I, I mean, I, I don't want to look under that rug, honestly. But because they're, and these are oak hardwood floors, but there was something about that. I mean, those floors were just amazing. So when we bought our house, it was the original owner had lived there, like the daughter of the house had lived there. You know, she took over when her parents died and lived there until she had to go into a home. And it was in not great shape, carpeted everywhere. We bought the house and pulled up the carpet, and the whole entire house was covered in American cherry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like just so thick. it was in good condition. It was in great condition because yeah. it had been protected, except for the kitchen. The kitchen was in horrible condition because it had laid l- layer after layer of that tar paper and linoleum and tar. Mm-hmm. So I could refinish everything myself except for the kitchen. I had to hire somebody to come in with a big right. sanding machine to get that the rest of it up. Well. I just think it's amazing. That it's kind of so thing cool is finding impressive. those little gems. Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. And like the other thing I learned is in a lot of the historic homes, you've got oak, you've got oak and all this everywhere else. But then in the kitchen, if you get under all those layers, it's usually pine. And I, I never understood it. And then in my own home, I finally asked someone. I said, "Why would this be this way?" And they said, "Well, pine was cheaper, mm-hmm. and it also is more forgiving. So if you drop something on a pine floor," It, it's sort of like it goes with it. It dents it. So they always use that as the cheaper material in yeah. the kitchen. But even think about it, even with new, newer like homes that are in probably the price point that my home would be in, you're not going to see wood in a kitchen usually. So I, I just think that's what's so – it's it's interesting. But the other thing, too, with historic properties, 
they can be out in the county, but for the most part, you're going to see those neighborhoods near downtown. Closer to downtown. So it's kind of an urban, if you like that setting, you like, like we do, we like to be close to everything. So yeah, you know, no, it's a good choice. I, um, I'm not a big fan of pine. Like I grew up, you know, pine furniture and all that. But then when you see old heart pine floors, like you're talking, it is see, I like those. gorgeous. They're yeah, absolutely. They just have so much character. Like you said, when you drop stuff on it, you know, mm-hmm. it's forgiving, but it still adds character to it. I mean, and, it, it and it's still there. Drop, I well, I mean, come on, yes. I mean, if you're dropping, <laughs> what's the worst thing you've ever like dropped on your floor? <laughs> My that child. Oh, oh, that didn't. That he didn't break. Yeah, like <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> Did you really? I don't know if I've ever dropped Macy Gray on the floor. <laughs> Maybe when she's a puppy. What's the worst thing you've ever dropped on the floor? You know, usually, I'll be honest, I didn't realize this could happen, but, you know, I get these five-gallon things of water, mm-hmm. and I used to have this awkward thing where I'd have to put it on top of a water dispenser, and, I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's five gallons. Is it five gallons? It, it seems kind of heavy to me, and I dropped one. <laughs> the, the whole plastic broke, oh. <laughs> and it just went everywhere. Oh, yeah. That was not good. Oh, yeah, that was bad on a different level. Yeah, but it was okay. I mean, at least it was water. Yeah. But, you know, I learned from then on, again, that upper body strength makes a big difference. So how do you sell, like, a historic neighborhood? Do you have to find the right person? Or if somebody's teetering, you know, like, how how do you know the right person for a historic neighborhood? Or how do you tour a historic house? Dave, that's a great question. Let me answer. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, just to be curious <laughs> um, and dumb. No, I think, well, for the two things. You have to really have tolerance for a house and that's not perfect. So you can't, so if someone's used to buying brand new construction and, and they've only ever bought new houses... That's probably not going to work. But if they have some tolerance, and not that they have to be handy, but they just have to be okay if you got to call someone to do something. But the other thing is location. If you want to be walking distance to downtown or close to shopping or center city, urban neighborhood, I mean, there's a huge chance it's going to be a historic property. So that's one of the things. We're trying to create more new neighborhoods close to downtown, which I'm really excited about. And we might be able to do a little podcast on some things that we're working on that, that hopefully will be coming up next year. But I think the, um, the thing is, is right now that it's mainly where do you want to be and do you have a little bit of tolerance or do you, do you like, it's so funny. Sometimes I'll work with people and show them several houses and I'll say, have you ever bought a house that wasn't brand new? And usually they say no. And you can tell those people are always going to want something new. I'm that way with cars. Yeah. But not houses. It's weird. I'm the opposite. Like, I'll buy an older house, but but I don't like to buy a used car. I feel like it's somebody else's energy. And I know I wouldn't want to buy one of my old cars. <laughs> well, houses, you know, increase in value the older they get. True. Most of them. I mean, just because your you know, property values go up house high. Cars don't. Well, now, so, and some of them do now. I mean, yeah. Because well, you can't get them. That's true. But the thing is, I just, I don't know. I feel like you're taking on some, maybe I'm in my car too much, but I feel like I'm taking on someone's energy. Plus. Maybe you're just sitting where they've been sitting the whole time. That grosses you out. It does. And then the other, <laughs> it does. And the other thing is that I think about it and I think, what went on in here? And then I think about how I kind of. I mean, think about a house and what went on in there. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, I don't even think about it. Now you've given me something to worry about. I mean, we've had podcasts about that. That is true. That is true. What is it that you never think it's happened in your own? <laughs> oh, it was it was a single woman who 
just woke up in the morning, cooked oatmeal, and went to sleep. That's Nothing right. ever happened to my house. That's right. That's what I tell my yeah. myself. And I'm sure that's the case yeah. here. <laughs> and nothing's happened since I'm lived here either. That's all I do. So I don't really eat oatmeal in the morning. Seems like it's a healthy thing. I've been talking to a lot of people lately about what's healthy and diet-wise because, mm-hmm. you know, I try and eat well. But this anti-inflammatory thing's a big deal. But you're going to have to quit eating hot dogs. That's what, I actually like hot dogs. You know, I love, I, I, and people are always surprised at what I like because they think, I, I do eat healthy just because I was raised that way, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I love a hot dog. Sometimes I like ribs. I won't eat them in public, but I like that sort of thing. Yeah. But evidently all that's really not good for you. You notice we're going right back to the food thing. It's, I guess, stuck what on is, our mind. I know. I think we've got to do our day of fun with restaurants maybe sooner than Yeah, later. sooner or later. But, for sure. But, no, I love the thing about in, in historic neighborhoods, I don't know if you've seen them or not, but if you go to my YouTube channel, and I will say, please follow me on YouTube. I'm trying to, you know, be better about talking about that. But we're doing tours of Greensboro and the neighborhoods and even just finished one of the parks. So if you have any interest in our area and you're listening and you want to actually see some tours, please go to my YouTube. If yeah. you start with that, it'll probably p- pull it up. But, no, these tours are cool. And so... We've done Irving Park. We've done downtown. So we've hit a couple of historic neighborhoods. We The next one's the parks, and then we'll continue. So, yeah, that's a great way to visualize this since I just learned that you can't see us when we're doing the <laughs> <laughs> So what was the So what was your favorite historical house you've ever sold or put on the market or, or helped somebody buy, and what made it your favorite? Um, I feel like I've told this story before, but maybe not on the podcast. But if I have, it's been so long ago, people, I'm sure, didn't retain it. Um, there's a this place I was telling you about with the, the pine floors mm-hmm. and the carpet. Um, that was an incredible property in my own neighborhood. And I had been working with a really sweet family that became I became very close to. And they were looking for a specific property, and we had been keeping an eye on this one. And so it ended up that I could help them get it. And it was it, it was funny. I've used this term so much lately, and I always thought it was so cheesy, but it was a labor of love a little bit. It was just exactly what they were looking for. And their daughter even did a really cool watercolor of the house that I put in a brochure. So, no, that was probably – that one was very special. I mean, one of my best friends um, bought – an incredible historic property in Fisher Park years ago. It was one of the first historic properties that that I ever sold and really got, and I really appreciated that as well. So, I mean, a lot of it, I think, has to do, it's kind of like when you ask someone, what's your favorite, what's your best vacation? It's who you were with, yeah. usually. It's not necessarily where you went. So I think it involves the clients and, and just finding the exact right thing that they love. And that means so much. Plus, just understand, understanding the story of the house, and you know, just just getting the right fit is, is when. So I guess that's what my whole thing's about, right? That, that's a really good point about the the people and you know who yeah. you're with, and because it is true. I've lived in you know multiple cities, and I've lived in some cool cities that I didn't like, and I've lived in some crappy cities I did because of the people I were I yeah. was around. Exactly. That's the thing. I think. Yeah. It's true, because when you sit there and you think about what's your best vacation, it really is usually the people you were with and not necessarily what you did. I mean, there's beautiful places that I would go back to, but I always remember vacations by what the experience. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, I think this is a great little podcast. I, I learned a little bit about historical homes that I didn't know before. And, and I especially the about historic zip lines. <laughs> and I didn't know that before. And that's good info. Well, I guess for a zip line, you know, 10 years old is historic. Okay, good to know. Good <laughs> I to guess. Know. But no, I do. I think I'm going to go run, try and show some historic homes today. If you find a cool one and okay. you're in there, call me. I want to come look. I love okay. I love old homes. I and I love seeing the, the craftsmanship, you know, everything from the, the, yeah. the crown molding, sometimes the dental molding we need to the to floors. Little, and we need I to love do it. a little video of one of our podcasts because I'm sure people want to see you. They're, I'm all over the place, but I bet they'd love to see you. I stay behind the camera, Melissa. We'll put you out front. <laughs> no, Dave, thanks. I love this. It's sometimes we love having guests on our podcast, but we also love it when it's just us too. So this has been great. Yeah, well, that was great. Uh, it was so much fun hanging with you. I can't wait to do it again. We're going to do it soon. We'll have our next podcast up pretty quickly, right? Yes, we will. We, we don't know what the topic is yet, but we have we have on. a We have a list. And yes, please, if you're listening and you have a topic you want us to talk about, it doesn't matter what it is, Yeah, um, we will somehow find out a way to weave it into real estate. That's just and due to our ADHD. <laughs> we, can, we can weave any topic into real estate. Yes, we can. <laughs> Test us. Send us one. Actually do. Yeah. Send us one. And if it's, if it's more appropriate, you can just text it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be in a public forum. Right. Okay. All right. Take care. Have a good day. Okay. See you, Melissa. Bye, everybody. Melissa Unscripted is produced by Tiger Moth Creative helping businesses and nonprofits leverage the power of their story. Find links and show notes at melissagreer.com, and so you'll never miss a show, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And make sure you give us a good rating. That's it for now. See you next time.